I don't know if any of you heard, thank you, Lisa, but um, during the last part where you spoke, really the Trinitarian blessing, Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Opal blessed us with an amen after that, just to be, just to cap that a little bit tonight. Thank you, Opal. Um, good evening, everybody. My name is Pete Erickson, and I'm the Director of Faith Formation here at Mount Olivet Lutheran Church. Um, some of you may know this, some of you may not know this. I started graduate school in January because I needed one more thing to do. Um, and just for reference sake, the last time that I was in graduate school, um, the state of Minnesota was in the middle of a four-year period where it did not have professional hockey at its, uh, at its beckon, and we celebrate the playoffs on Thursday. So no need to Google when that was, but just know that it was, it was a little bit ago. One of the things that I learned early in my um, journey in grad school uh, was it was more of a reminder about how and when active voice and passive voice are used and what exactly that means. And just so we, just so to dust this off for you, the concept of passive voice is when the subject of a sentence is neither a doer or a beer, but it is acted upon by some other agent or something unnamed, passive voice. When I hear this reading today, this commission, this entrusting today, I think that we could read this passively as spectators. It might be easy to read this Great Commission passively as a historical narrative to just 11 people, right? It might be easy to read this historically as a spectator to the beginning of a new church, a Christian church. But this story isn't a historical story. It's not a narrative that was for a place in time for a particular people. That this story is a living word. And it's as much about you and me and all of us together as it is about those 11. That this story is the story of a new empire, not in an imperial sense, but in which we are in a long line of servants of that empire. It's an empire of love. And so when I think of this commission, when we hear this, it reminds me that we have been entrusted entrusted with something that is greater than ourselves. It reminds me that we are enough. In spite of times when we think we're not. It reminds me that we are sent with a purpose as much as a direction. All people. Most importantly, it reminds me that we are not alone. 
Not in this world, not in this journey, not in the joys and the pains of life. We are not alone. The root of the word commission literally means entrust. Jesus entrusts God's ongoing mission in the world to those who experience it regardless of their worthiness. We read in this text today that Jesus names his authority and he names it differently than the world might think Jesus would name it. That this authority is not in the form of a new empire in an imperial sense, in a military sense. Jesus names his authority not with any force of an army. This authority is not with the power of a lineage, and it's not with the funding of a kingdom. This is how Jesus' authority came. In the humility of a servant. In the shame of an outcast. In the suffering of a criminal. And only through the death and resurrection of Jesus. That's how Jesus claimed authority in a way that authority had not been understood before. Humility, love, mercy is reframed as power in the world. And the authority that comes with this power is less about force and it's more about influence, more about relationships, more about connectedness in a world that is disconnected. And the power that we experience is in the form of the Holy Spirit promised to us. The life force to which we have been entrusted and which gives us life and breath to be examples of God's good and gracious will in the world. We have been entrusted. And I know what you're thinking because I'm probably thinking the same thing. How could I be entrusted to that? How could I be worthy of that? How could I be enough for that? We are enough. Say that with me. We are enough. Say it with me again. We are enough. If we learn anything about the stories of faith and the people of God over the course of time, it reminds us that God's perfect love is sent out through the vessel of God's imperfect people. It's one of the persistent threads that we read throughout the course of Scripture. And this story is a reminder to us that some worshipped and some doubted, but they all were entrusted. So even though we doubt, we are enough. 
Even though we deny, we are enough. Say that with me. We are enough. Though we experience great pain, sometimes beyond what we can measure, we are enough. Though we have fear that grips us and holds us in place, we are enough. We are enough. Together, we are more than enough. Entrusted with this. We understand in this scripture that we are sent. Again, more with purpose than direction. The first active verb we hear in this reading is the word go. To me, this verb is directional. Instead of to all nations, but it's also about purpose. Go into the world because God's love comes to us. And we are vehicles of that love. So we go into the world. We go into the world because our presence is a reflection of God's grace. And when people experience us, they experience God in the world in a rich and dynamic way. And we go into the world because the story of God's love for us, despite our imperfection, is the persistent story of God's grace in the world. The ongoing faithfulness of God and God's people in spite of the fact that we think we're not enough. We are sent with a purpose. Most importantly, we are not alone in this journey. That this story in Matthew is a bookend of God's promised presence that Matthew writes about at the beginning. Before he was born, Jesus was called God with us in Joseph's dream, the first chapter of Matthew. As he was teaching what it meant to be community, even in the midst of conflict, Jesus said, wherever two or more are gathered, I am there with you. God with us. And as he entrusted the disciples and us to be community and to bear witness to God's redeeming love in the world, Jesus said, I am with you even until the end of the age. The book ended promise in this story doesn't just stand in this narrative of Christ's birth, death, resurrection, and entrusting promise of the Holy Spirit through us. This story dates back to the time when we hear God's name in the world, when Moses, interacting with God in the form of a burning bush, asks, whom shall I say sent me? And that bush said, tell them I am sent you. I am with you. God in our midst, we are not alone in this journey. Peter Rollins talks about how when we live passively in our understanding of this story, when we live in our own passive voice, we, in one sense, deny the resurrection. This is what he says. 
I deny the resurrection of Christ every time I do not serve at the feet of the oppressed. Each day I turn my back on the poor. I deny the resurrection of Christ when I close my ears to the cries of the downtrodden and lend my support to an unjust and corrupt system. However, he says, there are moments when I affirm the resurrection, few and far between as they are. I affirm it when I stand up for those who are forced to live on their knees, when I speak for those who have had their tongues silenced, when I cry for those who have no more tears left to cry. This is our commission. This is not a historical story. This is a living word for people who are a living sacrifice in the world, entrusted more than enough, sent with a purpose and not alone, that God travels with us and we travel together, making God's love known in the world, vehicles of God's good and gracious love. If being a disciple in this world means bearing witness to the discipline of Jesus that we experience in our world, in our lives, that means that we bear witness to humility and vulnerability, mercy and love. Let us live in that humility, vulnerability, mercy and love and know that it is enough for the world. Amen.